All righty, Ryan, welcome back to a Benzinga Live. Hope you had a good New Year, good holiday break and everything, and it's it's good to, good to see your face back on here again. Yeah, it's nice to be back. I think everyone uh, appreciated the break from my you know, weekly ramblings, but uh, hopefully we can add a couple more episodes, a little bit of value here for everybody, and uh, it's always good to catch up with you, Aaron. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, so let's discuss real quick, Ryan, kind of where we left off in this educational series, where we're at now, and where are we headed? Well, I mean, that's a lot to cover. That's like six episodes. I think we started with... Give me the spark notes. Yeah, we started with like broker selection, what type of account to open. We talked about tools. We talked about technical analysis. We talked about risk management. We talked about entering and exiting trades, tools to do that. And then now today, I think we're all the way up to news and news with respect to stock analysis and where do you find stocks to trade and what news is relevant and what news is noise and all that good stuff. 100%. 100%. And that's, you know, we, we were talking about where when I started the show talking about, you know, these crazy headlines, and it's important with all the headlines to know what's just noise, what are the things you really should uh, be paying attention to. Um, so let's get right into it, Ryan, let's talk information and analysis. How do you go about actually selecting the stocks you're interested in? Uh, and what kind of information are you looking for? I think it depends on what kind of investor or trader the person is who's doing the analysis, right? If it's systematic or quantitative or technical, then you're probably less concerned with uh, headline news, corporate actions, corporate news, et cetera. You're looking for specific patterns that you've identified previously as being profitable. So systematic is, uh, there's no yes or no, or maybe kind of sort of with systematic trading. It's like a series of criteria that gives you a score at the end of the day. If the score is above X, trade. If it's below X, then you don't trade and you just move on to the next stock. You don't look for reasons to to support it or not support it. So like the most mathematical, that quantitative. Um, Technical trading, I think there's sometimes a misconception that technical trading is just technical, that nobody cares about earnings or news or whatever, which isn't exactly true. You know, you're using technical signals and patterns to alert you that there might be something advantageous or disadvantageous about to happen. And then you're going to go deeper, depending on what type of trader you are. You can be like a technical position trader. So three, six months out, uh, probably that trader after doing solid technical analysis is doing a deep dive into uh, some more news, et cetera. Whereas like a sh- momentum or swing trader is looking for news only as it relates to confirmation or a potential roadblock that could lead to a whipsaw reversal. And that's it. Like they're really, they're there for like three to eight days. Let's go and just moving on. So uh, I, I know everyone hates the, it depends answer, but, but yeah, it depends, which wouldn't surprise like anyone in this chat or watching this show. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I think that's a great point because a lot of times people and you'll see this from like the gurus on Twitter and other places, they try to act like there's one set of rule or one thing that works for all traders. But let's face it, we're going to have different goals and we're going to have different capabilities. Some people might be, you know, able to look at their screen all throughout the day. Some people might might be going to work and they got to, you know, 
maybe do a couple swing trades a month and they're not able to day trade and all this stuff. So you really need to figure out what's your style, what works best for you. Uh, and then Ryan, what tools are out there? I mean, we hear a lot about, you know, the Bloomberg terminal, of course, is it just Bloomberg or bust? Are there any free sources instead of having to pay, you know, 25 grand for a seat or whatever on, on the terminal and how reliable are they? A lot, a lot to unpack in that one lengthy, endless question there, Aaron. But uh, is it just Bloomberg or bust? No, I mean Bloomberg is not the, you know, gold standard of information. At least that's not my experience. You know, as I've said before on the show, yeah, fine, we all use Bloomberg here, but we also use Benzinga. Honestly, I, I'm not just saying that because I'm on your show. You know, you're looking for, um, you're looking for confirmation of news that leaks out. And if it just appears in one platform or one area, now if it's Benzinga, if it's Bloomberg, you can have relative certainty that somebody has vetted that at the news desk before it's been pumped into the news feed. Uh, and quick action can result in a little bit of extra profit or the only profit on the date. That's totally possible. Um, but you know, you don't need a paid source. Is there free? Yeah, sure. But you're looking at the credibility of the source and the identification of the source, right? Like if you, if it's an anonymous person in a Reddit forum, if it's you know an, a, a, an anonymous Twitter account, I would be heavily skeptical unless you know who that person is. Like, you know, Open Outcryer is a is a is a well known options trader that uses that handle on on Twitter. I'm dating myself there. I guess it's called X now. Um, people know who that is that are options traders. You know, anyone who doesn't know who that is wouldn't know that person. But they're they're an industry professional. If you can't identify the source, then the jeopardy that person is under in terms of market manipulation is very, very low. So whether it's AI, whether it's a bot, whether it's a malicious actor, it's hard to determine, tell, and vet the source. So I'd be heavily skeptical. Like a company CEO or a public figure, not that they don't make mistakes, but you make a statement about company fundamentals. You make a statement about confidence in a stock's directionality and you have been you you are found to have manipulated the market like you are in serious serious trouble so news releases even free sources yahoo finance or something like that or low pay which would be any sort of mainstream publication financial times wall street journal um, both have alerts both have uh, an aggregated news feed pr newswire ap whatever it is you know, like, like before it hits these feeds, that news is getting verified. It's not to say that it's not wrong. It's that if it is wrong or worse misleading, there's significant jeopardy behind it. So it doesn't have to be paid. You just have to do more heavy lifting yourself, you know, running down the verification of this information than you would if you subscribe to an aggregator, you know, money.net, let's do three money.net, Benzinga, Bloomberg, probably, you know, low to high in that order. Yeah. And I appreciate, I mean, you know, Benzinga Pro, I think for a lot of traders, I think, you know, Bloomberg is that like coveted what people hear about, what they might see in like the Wall Street movies or whatever. But for most 
uh, retail investors, which I am, uh, Benzinga Pro really does fit a lot of your needs. I'll just pull it up real quick because we're, we're talking about it. So say you're looking at NVIDIA stock here. You have the overview. If you want to go into a more detailed view of the chart, you can go through here uh, and go to all the different time frames: daily, weekly, monthly, hours, minutes. Uh, the news feed, which is what a lot of people use Benzinga Pro for, uh, is actually super quick. And like you said, Ryan, uh, you know, sometimes, not all the time, not most of the time, but sometimes you'll actually see something come through on Benzinga's wire before Bloomberg. Uh, and then, of course, too, I usually just hang out on this overview page a lot of the times because uh, you can see, you know, the, the chart and all this fundamental data, market cap, PE, all, all the good stuff here. So, again, for most traders, and I'll get, it depends on what you need, um, but for most traders, I think Benzinga Pro does fit, uh, you know, those needs pretty well. Yeah, I mean, to your earlier point, you know, we run both feeds side by side. I would say 98% of the time, um, news shows up in both feeds simultaneously. 2% of the time, Sometimes Bloomberg has it first, but sometimes Benzinga does have it first. I mean, if Benzinga didn't have it first, we wouldn't run it, honestly. Already being a, a heavy Bloomberg user, we just stick to that. There's a reason that we use Benzinga side by side. Bloomberg doesn't always have everything. And it's important to remember that it's, ex it's skewed towards the institutional investor, fund manager, etc. So you know, there's millions of headlines a day from all over the world. Which ones are trickling to the top? Which ones are sort of marked as being uh, market moving on Bloomberg are not the same things as what shows up on Benzinga. You'll be able to find both, right? The stories will hit both, but that sort of top 100 aggregated news feed is very, very different on Bloomberg than it is on Benzinga. On Benzinga, it tends to be skewed more towards, you know, anything huge and global, obviously, but stock specific, right? There are a lot of short-term traders uh, who use Benzinga Pro and they're looking for actionable signals, news, et cetera, in the moment. On Bloomberg, it's really more around um, global market participants, global macro, et cetera, like where interest rates shifting in Germany, like this in a huge and diversified portfolio is more important than, you know, NVIDIA's run this morning, you know, for example. I mean, that will show up in the same feed, but that's one stock out of 972 positions in just one of the portfolios that we run. So yeah, it's important we pay attention to it, but that's not as important as some of this, some of these news items which aren't important if you're a discrete stock trader. So that's where, you know, as I've said before, I hope people don't think that they're missing out by not having a Bloomberg. It's really, you know, it, it wouldn't make you a more profitable or a better trader or investor you know, at the, at the average level, for sure. You, you don't need it. It's, it's, it's not designed for that. Well, let's, uh, I mean, while we're talking about Bloomberg, you know, I, I do want to hear a little bit more about it. I'm not on the terminal. You are. Let's, let's uh, give us some of like the inside ball and what, and what it's like and what we're looking at here. I'll go ahead and pull up a slide of uh, yeah, your, so, one, of your, one of your homepages. Right. So for daily news, like this is my daily view in term. I've, I've, three 30-inch layouts that I'm looking at, and there's 6K layouts. So, you know, apologies if the font is super small. It's not, it's not as small in front of me. Um, and this is 
this would be my, as I'm doing something else, uh, email, uh, Zoom meetings, um, talking to you here, it's right there. Uh, this is what's up generally. And so this is giving me kind of a global picture of what's going in areas that tell me where I need to better focus. So it's important to remember that like the visual cues of just like line charts are useless for any kind of technical analysis. Like all this stuff on the whole right-hand side is pointless for any kind of actual analysis. What's that useful for? When everything drops in a geographic region, Europe, I've got you know all of the major European indexes, I've got the Asian indexes, I have domestic indexes. Um, when suddenly things move in harmony, it it's a visual cue that my attention needs to shift to something. Something's happened to make everything move in unison. So then my eyes would go from there. I obviously have flow underneath. I use the uh, I use index ETFs for at the top there for um, for domestic markets just because I can I can better see flow and 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 that that helps me with some of my analysis. But that sort of unification of behavior tells me I need to look to the left-hand side of that screen, which is where I have like aggregated news feeds. And I could see which industries, like you have sell up and sell down industries there in that sort of center column. And that's going to tell me like, like suddenly if that lights up, you know, hot green, hot red, heat map style, you know, the two together, like I could be talking to someone, having a meeting, half paying attention from, I don't know, I'm two feet away from that screen. And I know that I need to look at something if that dramatically changes. Honestly, the the Sky News or, or Bloomberg TV that's in the upper left-hand corner, I don't, I, that's like on, that got programmed in by our rep and it's, it's on mute basically all the time. I will turn it on if there's like a breaking, you know, news item. You know, Biden walks out and he's about to make a live speech on XYZ and it's fundamentally important. Or when the Fed speaks, you know, obviously I will turn that on right there. And then the map actually is a cool function that allows you to select a, a tracking metric and the map will highlight activity. And it's everything from, you know, shipping distribution. It's kind of on the left there underneath the TV, that guy. Yeah. You can, I mean, you can do forest fires, you can do uh, earthquakes, you can do whatever it is, and it will show you globally distributed, like where concentrations are in something. So that's, Bloomer is not the only thing that does this, but it's useful in that there's my, I'm not really, I'm doing something else. I need to be present. I need to kind of have my eye on the portfolio, but I don't need to look at every tick of every stock that we hold or trade. So I'm looking at this, that's that. And it's different from a screen that I might use for news on a specific security. So if something, which is the, the next screen, and if something pops up in that aggregated news feed that catches my attention, or I get a message from our traders, then yeah, it'll pop up in one of those two windows there, or there's something that goes, you know, hot red or hot green that I can click on, or, uh, you know, the trade desk will ping me uh, on, on Messenger and say, hey, can you have a quick look at XYZ? Then I pull up the next screen, which is, uh, uh, for the discrete. So yeah, it's this one. 
And we've talked before about the middle part of this screen. I'm not going to deal with that on, on, on this episode because that's, that's just technical analysis, but it's the right side of that screen kind of tells me at that underlying level, what I might be interested in paying more attention to. So there's comps, there's a comp panel. It shows me the closest, um, beta aligned comps and how they're doing. There's news specific to just that stock. There's specific corporate action activity. There's earnings activity, there are projections. So it's, it's like the global version, but immediately targeted to just that security and the ones that are really close to it. I mean, at the bottom, there's you know, there's on the left as well. There's even even like flow identification and the you know trying to figure out where the axe is um, the, on that day, which is which is the heaviest exchange for printing that stock on that day. So I think Benzinga Pro and a number of other uh, retail accessible um, products have these types of panels that you can consider. So. You know, I, I do sort of the stock analysis or company analysis all on the one page. There are tabs there. You can see I can get through to the tear sheets and company fundamentals as well on the right-hand side. Um, and if that was trading, there'd be order flow on the left-hand side. So it's like my command console. It's everything that's salient visually immediately with that particular underlying and then layers underneath that. So, huh. I wonder what their revenue was quarter on quarter over the last year. That's a tab that I can drill down in. I don't care about that right off the top. I care because somebody sent me here with usually uh, where do you see this staying or what the hell's going on with this? And I need to identify very quickly what I think is is happening there. So that's, um, that's this screen. But uh, again, you know, these are mostly tools that are geared towards a user that's watching. I mean, we look after four funds and a number of portfolios in the funds and different types of strategies. So everything from, you know, highly manual, expert curated volatility arbitrage through all of our AI curated and directed strategies. And it's a it's a different uh, type of analysis for each. You know, if you're laser focused on your portfolio, you've got like 10 to 30 holdings, you don't need half of this stuff. I mean, it's helpful to have obviously uh, some visual representation of your concentration so that, you know, if your portfolio is blowing up, you can immediately see that that is tied to an overweight in a specific area. So it's not you. You didn't pick poorly. This isn't like some horrible global mistake you made other than being over-concentrated in a sector that's getting its face kicked in at the moment, right? So that's that's helpful for you to manage your reaction. And that's, I think, what's important to, to keep in mind when reviewing these type of tools. Yeah, and you and you mentioned earlier that it's not like, you know, uh, retail investors are SOL if they don't have access to Bloomberg. I mean, what... Wait, what do you think are like, you know, we talked about Benzinga Pro, obviously, but what do you think are good other alternatives to, you know, go in places you can get some of this information uh, and it might not be all available or as quick as the Bloomberg, but kind of, you know, like a a, a good alternative than, than if you ha don't have access to a Bloomberg seat. 
I, I think you've got sort of three key key tools that you could use. Um, I, I would for sure advocate for Benzinga as a consolidated source. Okay, I, I, I like it. I think that's that's very close at a retail level to what you could expect in a portion of a Bloomberg terminal that would be meaningful to a retail trader or investor. Okay, so you have that. Um, for uh, deeper technical analysis, I would use something like TC2000, which we've showcased on this show before. Um, it also has a news aggregator, but it's not as good as Bloomberg. And you know, Bloomberg's news aggregator is fantastic, and the charting and technical isn't quite as good as TC2000. So I'd like have them up next to each other. But I think honestly, I'm I, I never advocate for trading off of trader chat room chatter because it's just dangerous. You can be in a circumstance of the blind leading the blind. But if you are just starting out in trading, who are you talking to? I mean, if like all your friends don't trade all day long, and if you are sitting at home trying to do this and you have nobody to turn to, your your cousin, uncle, father, best friend is not an institutional trader, does not work for a buy or sell side market participant. Like, who are you bouncing ideas off of? Who are you asking questions to? It can be a pretty lonely environment. I mean, like the CTO of Kaiju and I met in, okay, so it was a little more of a pro trader chat room, but it was still a chat room because we were both trading remotely, you know, him prop trading and me institutionally trading. There's like nobody sitting next to me. You know, you're craving this old school Wall Street thing that died off years before you know, people realize it did like those old school trade desk trade floors are largely gone outside of institutions. Remote work came in and was was profitable and popular long before COVID. So you had these like satellite traders dotted all over the place, especially APAC. Like a lot of the guys who worked Hong Kong, Singapore were remote for the big banks that just didn't have a regional office. So who are you talking to all day long? You know, you're you're going to a chat room to say, hey, I've seen this thing, or can someone tell me what they think about? And eventually, like you see people in the chat here talking to each other, right? There are a couple of these guys, gals who clearly know each other from this chat. Hey, how are you doing? No, uh, how are you doing? How was your Christmas? Yeah, good. This looks interesting. Yeah, I checked this out. That's like you need some cohort that you somewhat trust to bounce things off of in the beginning. So, I mean, I always come down hard on retail chat rooms, but, you know, they serve a purpose. You know, I'm going long XYZ 300 at whatever. Don't do that, right? Don't follow. That's that's not a good use, right? You know, you follow it, you get burned, you're pissed at that guy. Why'd you listen to him in the first place? But just kicking around ideas or saying, this is the third time you've mentioned Bollinger Bands and I don't know what those are. And then maybe the person kicks you a link to some educational resource. So you become a better informed trader. Like there's a use for that. So that's, that would be my three panels, like uh, a technical tool for evaluation. I'd have a news aggregator and I would have some communication with the, with the outside retail trading world. If you want, and obviously you have your broker platform there, but you know, if you're using all of these other things, your broker platform is going to be like an order ticket entry window, right? It's just going to be that part. The rest of it will be like minimized. So that 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 would be my take. If I if I didn't have a Bloomberg, I had to do it from scratch. 
Well, there you have it. I mean, we've we've talked a lot about different, you know, sources where to get information, what information to look at, how to help you, you know, consider which stocks uh, to invest in. And Ryan, you're the AI guy. How does AI fit into all of this? I think so. AI assisted tools for retail traders is for sure something that I know a number of outlets are building actively right now. The ones that have already come out aren't really AI. That's those are just scams. So you can forget all of that. Um, and while you know generative AI LLMs are 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 great for pulling in enormous amounts of information, they're terrible at math. So you wouldn't want to ask ChatGPT, hey, you know. ChatGPT, what are good stocks to trade? Please don't do that. You know, um, how would I build an effective and profitable portfolio? You know, don't do that. Um, you know, we we had fun with it when like, the first beta became publicly accessible. I I asked, how do I replace my greedy volarb traders? And it was like the it was like a ten point list, and the first one was first. You will need to become an expert in volatility arbitrage trading. Then you can fire this desk of lazy volatility arbitrage trader, blah, 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 blah. I, I did send that to them and they thought it was funny. But the point being, like, there's no way it's going to do that. What you can do is try to scrape a lot of information using a tool like that. You can attempt, okay, so GPT, I want to know how many 13 Fs for NVIDIA were filed in the last quarter where the top 10 market participants changed more than 20%. Like, and it probably can return all of them. You can give it a time frame just to make sure. You can say in the last four years. So you know how many 13Fs you're going to get, right? Four per year. And however many years you go back, that's how many you expect. So if it gives you three, you know that it hasn't collected all the information. It gives you what you think, you get the information, you know, and tell me how many you found. Very useful for something like that. Very useful for you, you hear something that you think sounds realistic, sounds like it's in a, from an untrusted source in a bit of a sketchy, you know, venue, but it sounds right. You can task, uh, you know, something like GPT with finding any other references to this. Can you find me all of the references to the following piece of news and cite the sources? And then you'll look, and if it's just fringe, you know that this is some batshit conspiracy theory. But maybe there was something buried in FT, maybe there's something buried in, in uh, the Inquirer, maybe there's something buried in, or sorry, Economist, why did I say Inquirer? Don't listen to that. Um, maybe there's something buried in a Bloomberg newsfeed, et cetera, et cetera, where you can verify this thing that came from this sketchy source and actually act on it. So it's very useful for that. Unfortunately, on the side we work on, the predictive AI side, there's just nothing currently available. Um, and that's uh, you know that's something I hope that we can fix in the next couple of years. Got it. And then, uh, you know, maybe just for people that are are joining us for the first time on one of these, uh, educational series. Can you talk a little bit about how Kaiju is using AI and what kind of, I guess, uh, different types of things you're feeding into the AI to help it uh, decide whether or not, hey, this is a dip we want to buy or no, this is not a dip we want to buy? You're right. Okay. So sort of two main disciplines of AI would be generative AI and predictive AI. What's the big difference? So there's no 
there are no hard edges to the landscape of generative AI, right? I, I want this thing to create portraits of people. So I feed it 600,000 portraits, but I can't feed it all portraits because all portraits isn't something that is achievable. It's just like, I want it to, um, I want it to speak English. So I feed it, you know, 20 million samples of the English language, but I can't feed it all samples. And so as a result, you get hallucinations, right? Mistakes that it believes is a correct answer that it feeds back to you. With predictive AI, which is what we do, um, it, it doesn't have the, uh, the sex appeal on the surface that generative AI does because it can't speak English. Uh, there, there's no back and forth between you and the machine that is that mimics a human interaction. Right. But the output we find vastly more powerful because it uses known or collected at source data. Price, time, and quantity for any equity at the tick level is not up for discussion. It is what it is. It's printed to consolidated tape every day. We've ingested 220 terabytes of this. We ingest the stock market at the tick level. So again, historically uploaded and then collected at source. So the patterns that it sees can't be hallucinations in any way. There are hard edges to that landscape. And so its predictive capabilities, while not crystal ball-like, are, are pretty good. So we've been doing this for a little over half a decade now. And are now you know, the reason I'm here is that you know we stopped kind of flying quietly under the radar like Renaissance Technologies because nobody's talking about this part of the business. And we wanted to try to you know educate a little bit, um, which I think we'll get into with our with our next series. This one was more about basic trading. The next one is sort of more about advanced management um, and using some of these tools. So the criteria that it's looking for are repeating patterns that it reliably links to um, repeating behaviors, right? Every time I see this or eight out of 10 times, the following thing happens. And of course, because there's a machine learning component to it, as there are subtle micrometric changes to the criteria and the behaviors, that weighted list of, um, of endpoints that it evaluates changes over time. So maybe right now it's looking at 68 different factors weighted from here to here. But over time, it starts seeing that these top three or four that it used to totally depend on are less and less reliable and less linked with positive outcomes. These guys over here at the other end of the scale have started to you know, be more and more in the spotlight. It can autonomously make those adjustments, which is you know, the, the rewarding and cool part of working with predictive AI is once you've programmed it to do this and it does it well, it, I mean, certainly like six years ago, we had instances of it not doing it well. And it was more horrifying to watch it drive off a cliff with a boat full of money. But thank God it stopped doing that like half a decade ago. And now it's just profitable. So we're hoping that like those will never get pushed out to an end user in a retail environment because you're then creating like a trade system that somebody else is following. What I hope is that the predictive element becomes available like GPT for a retail trader investor to query. I've seen this pattern. You know, I want to trade XYZ in this direction. Here's my profit target. Here's my stop loss. What are my chances of success? And then, you know, 2 billion calculations in one second later, you get up not very good, but if you did this, this, and this, and this, it increases to that. Like, 
I would love to see that available, those types of tools for, you know, people like those who are watching this show. Yeah. And, and I'm excited again next week to hop into, uh, you know, a little bit more of that. You know, I thought today we had some great uh, lessons just in terms of where to go for that information, how to how to kind of sort through all this different noise. It is. I mean, I don't need to tell you guys out there in the audience. It is very overwhelming, especially for newer traders. When you look at a screen, even like Benzinga, I mean, even like this from Benzinga Pro, which now that I'm on it every day, this looks like such a simple, easy layout. But I can see how something like this with so many different numbers, so many different things just seems like too much. And so, I, you know, this was a very important episode to learn how to kind of cut through that noise, how to how to, how to use this information to take your trading the next level, because without the information, if you're just trading on your own off gut feeling or vibes, you're going to get burned. There's no way around it. And you need, uh, you know, to be able to have a systemic trading uh, a, a system with this information. So, Ryan, let's go ahead and pull up our uh, Kaiju kicker for the week. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll start by reading the first one and maybe you can add some extra color or, or walk me through them, but do use more than one news aggregator. They usually carry all the same news, but not always. Yeah. So like we said before, you know, with the Bloomberg versus Benzinga, I mean, again, 98% of the time it's the same 2%. It's not that 2% repeatedly has been actionable for us. So it's, it's worth having too. And it doesn't matter whether it's, again, I don't care what aggregators you use. I'm, I'm, Bloomberg could probably be replaced with something else that is more meaningful on a retail level, more effectively for way less. So just like, don't just take what comes through the feed. Benzing is fine for primary news aggregator. If you're going to commit serious dollars to this, check the source, which is number two. Yep. Do check sources. A rumor isn't always something you should be trading off of, nor it is nor is a post in a forum. For example, I'll I'll let you add some color on this, but you just yesterday on on stock ticker O N O N was trading higher on like speculation that Tiger Woods was gonna sign a partnership with the it's like a sneaker company out of out of Switzerland, uh, that Roger Federer has backed. Um, but there was rumors that Tiger was gonna sign a deal with them instead, you know, after he left Nike. And people were sharing it all over Twitter. The stock was up like eight, nine percent in the morning. And then their CEO uh, had to say, "No, we're not signing a deal with the uh, Tiger." And then the stock went back down. So if you were just trading this news based off these rumors on Twitter and other things, uh, then you could have gotten burned on that. Yeah, I mean, if you if you read any of the classic trading um, treatises, like you'll come across this phrase: "Buy the rumor, sell the news." Like that's an old trader. Uh, phrase, but that's like long dead. That's before social media. That's where the rumor came from company insiders and institutional market participants. And the news came from a trusted news source. Now the rumor is coming from who the hell knows where. And 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 then the news confirms or denies that rumor. So it's, it's a lot more volatile and, and not as safe to do that. Hundred percent, and then moving down our kicker number three: Do not trade off tips shared on social media. We kind of just touched on that. Do not trade off tips shared in trading chat rooms. Uh, and yeah, I mean, you only need to get probably burned once or twice on on stuff like this, and then you you realize. I mean, I, I can't count you tell you how many times, Ryan, I've been in different chat rooms or whatnot, and someone's been like, "Oh, this." 
you know, biotech companies about to get this approval after market today, buy today, or you're going to miss out on this move. And then the thing doesn't happen. And it feels like, it feels like every time the more certain people are on something happening or the more people get involved in it, it's like, I, I know this isn't going to end up working out because the market's not that easy. You're not going to have really these like get rich quick opportunities. Oh my God, there's this, you know, hot tip, everyone, everyone buy. And, um, you know, so that that's definitely an important one just to remember that even though some of these tips might look juicy on social media and chat rooms, a lot of times uh, they don't end up panning out. Yeah, exactly. And I, I'm sure like you probably have a ton of rules for this chat that's running right now. Some of the trading, like the actual trading chat rooms that are accessible to retail traders will have rules like you can't post an exit if you haven't previously posted your entry to stop people from being like, yep, just made a cool 100% return on XYZ. It's like you have to have previously in the chat said, I'm in at here and out at here to even post it or you get blocked, muted, banned, et cetera. I'm, I'm positive if somebody started like pumping stocks and and wild claims of their trading in here, they, they'd be gone pretty quickly. So, you know, uh, bear in mind that not all chat rooms are created equally, I guess it's fair to say. Yep. Always be careful where you get your information, including from chat GPT, because I have had many times where chat GPT has tried to tell me something as if it is a fact and it is a, an, a, a undeniably not a fact. And then I'll tell it, Hey, chat GPT, why'd you say this? when that's not true. And they'd say, oh, I'm sorry, you're correct, Mr. Aaron. Um, so with that said, and that, that's not even with with financial stuff. That's just with like, you know, if I ever use ChatGPT for anything, I feel like it always makes at least one mistake. So with that Have said- Have you ever con contradict itself in the same response? Oh yeah, all like, the time, like I, yeah. I, I can't remember, it was a while ago, but I think I asked it just for fun. I said, hey, ChatGPT, is, is Overstock a good company? And it like, the first part was like, you know, Overstock is a good company because blah, 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 blah. And then obviously it had found all of the Patrick Byrne nightmare scenario crap. It's like Overstock is not a good company because of, like that was its outcome. It was like, yes, wait, no, totally. Um, I'm broken. And that was, that's where it ended off. So yeah, please don't ask it what to trade. It doesn't know. Yeah. Not, uh, not a, a good source for, for trading tips. Well, Ryan, we, uh, you know, Talked about a, lot, uh, about a lot today. If you guys are watching and you want to go back and rewatch any of the parts, you will be able to do that on this YouTube video. Uh, and we kind of teased what we're talking about next week, but uh, do you want to remind the folks what we will be getting into next Tuesday? Same spot, same time, 11 a.m. Eastern. We were originally going to talk about sort of a walk around the market, what market participants do, what direct market makers do, what lead market makers do, et cetera, et cetera. Then I thought, oh God, do we really want to put people to sleep at that level? And is it completely meaningful to the retail trader and investor? So instead, I thought I would ch share like the seven things that for sure I can correlate to increased performance in my career. That I think, and none of them require any institutional connectivity, whatever, whatsoever. So I think that might be fun to close off by it's it, they're, they're in areas that you wouldn't normally think they would be, but I can guarantee that they will make you a more effective trader and investor. No question. Well, there you go. Ryan, again, Ryan Pinnell from Kaiju. 
Uh, where can folks go more if they want to learn more about Kaiju or if they want to invest in the DIP ETF? Uh, Kaiju, the global companies are at kaiju.ai. Um, our AI directed asset management is at uh, KCM, kaijucapitalmanagement.ai. And DIP is at dipetf.com or kaijuetfadvisors.com, which is uh, the advisor for the DIP ETF. Well, there you go. All right, Ryan, we'll chat next week. Thanks again for hopping on. It was good to be back after a few weeks off. Good to see your face. Hope all is well. And again, next week, same place, same time, 11 a.m. Eastern. We'll be back getting into it. Thanks, Aaron. It's good to see you, and uh, I'll see everybody next week. 